Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I'm talking to the marvellous Elizabeth Pritchard. We're talking about stress and the PhD and we particularly talking about stress as a motivator. We talk about curiosity, we talk about fear and we also have a frozen moment where we're talking about into the unknown. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Elizabeth. Hi Emma, lovely to meet you. Yeah, it is gorgeous to meet you. I am always really grateful when people reach out and say, um, you know, I've got to, I'd love to share something with um, people on the PhD journey. I just, it's so brilliant. Um, And I think it's just (laughs) awesome for people to know that there are people out there who want to support them because I think it can feel quite a lonely journey, but here you are stepping up and Mm. coming I can help. Let me help. Um, yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. So um, in a minute, we're going to be talking about um, good stress. <laughs> good stress is what we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but first of all, as I always do, I'm just going to um, invite you to say a little bit about yourself, about your own PhD journey, and then what what, mm-hmm. what has brought you to now. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Um, well, my PhD journey sort of started a little bit different to many people's journeys um, and different to the people I often work with as well and mentor as well. So when I was in my 40s, I had been an occupational therapist for 25, 30 years, and I specialised in neurobrain injury rehab. And I was getting to the stage, I was like, oh, I'm getting a bit bored. What can I do? How can I do it? Maybe I should do a PhD. No, that's just silly. And then, and then, and then I got to the stage, I was like, Oh, I'd really love to do a PhD because I'd love to learn a little bit more because I recognized that I knew a lot about my own fields, but there was a whole lot more beyond that that I didn't know about. And mm-hmm. so I embarked on a three year journey where I, um, all these things fell into place and I ended up moving countries from New Zealand to Australia to do my PhD at the grand old age of 47 years love young. It. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, so I moved over to Australia because I was like, I know I had worked with people in New Zealand. I knew the people who were teaching most of the programs there in the different universities. And it was like, I wanted a fresh perspective. And so it was like, let's move um, somewhere and and connect with other people, other minds, be curious about things, learn about other things that I've never even put myself in that whole uncomfortableness of just being in a city. I moved to a city of four and a half million people. I knew two people. And so it was like, right, let's just do this. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> love it. And I love that curiosity, um, and which is at the heart of the PhD, isn't it? It's just that like, kind of, oh, I'm going to find something out. <laughs> I love, I love, I'm doing a PhD because I'm bored. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, so how was it? How was that PhD experience for you? It was actually really awesome. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I loved the ability and the privilege to be able to just get totally absorbed in thinking. 
then it was like, oh, what about this? And then I'd spend a day or two researching that and looking at that little stream of consciousness and and idea that would go down there and some of them would pan out and some of them would be like, ah, that's really not not related to where I need to be and, and so I don't need to keep pursuing that. And I love that whole thing of luxury of being able to just sit and learn and be curious. It really, it really was three years of, of being able to do that. And I, I approached my PhD as a job. So it was like Monday to Friday and I had weekends off and except when confirmation was coming up and little things like that. <laughs> and the last three months was a little bit different as well in the writing of the thesis. Uh, however, throughout the whole journey, I was basically like, this is a job and I give myself sick leave and I give myself um uh, annual leave when I need to holiday and I recognize that and I'm not working all hours of the night because it's not healthy for me and who I'm being and so I approached it as a job and I think that was part of the reason why I just loved it so much I enjoyed many many aspects of it yeah there was heaps of frustrations like the first year I was just talking with somebody recently um, and she was going, I'm nearly at confirmation at the end of my first year and I'm so confused and I don't even know what I'm supposed to be presenting and I haven't got my methodology sorted and I haven't done this and I haven't done that. And I was like, that's okay. <laughs> it's first year. It's like it's a time when you get everything on the table and then it's like, okay, what can I wipe off the table and what am I left with? What are those kernels of things that are really important for me and my PhD and my journey to be able to move forward? And that's part of the part of the year first year process. And many people, I don't think, actually tell people that. <laughs> no, I think this sense of I think this sense of the PhD as a process and different phases, as you highlighted, there are different phases mm. with different rhythms in also mm. and I, th- I think that is really important really important mm. um and yeah and finding someone and being able to kind of go actually I don't really know what I'm doing can be a, a massive thing in terms of someone going <laughs> it's all right it's all right it, and it is indeed because that is a very that is how the first year is that is how the first year is um mm. also mm. I love the idea of giving yourself sick leave I, this is that's a whole nother this has given me that's a whole other episode we need to do about <laughs> PhD and sick leave because that is a thing that's a big thing right um so yes. I love that I love that you um were a good boss to yourself um, yes I was actually it was it, it was amazing and, and I'm sure that it helped me get through yes. with with a whole lot of health and vitality throughout the whole process absolutely love that I love that and I love that it was good experience because it is possible it is possible to have yes. a good PhD experience <laughs> um awesome so today, then we were going to talk about there was there, again there was loads of things that we could talk about, but you were talking about <laughs> um, you suggested this topic of kind of different kinds of stress and actually stress using mm. um, good stress as we might call it to to mm-hmm. help you to propel you on the journey. So mm. so tell us mm. a little bit about about that and what 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 you're meaning there. Okay, cool. So this is this is something that that we coach and train in our business as well because I have a business on the side as well as as um well not on the side it's a big part of my life <laughs> as well as um research as well and part of it is around that whole thing of you stress because there's two types of stress and people just often lump everything into this great big bucket called stress they lump all the rejections of papers they lump lump all the uncertainty they lump all the 
I don't know when this is going to happen. They lump all the timelines and they and they just pour it all into this whole big bucket that they label as stress. And when we're, we're wanting to do stress differently and wanting to manage it in a more effective way, then it's like we tip over that bucket and we pull things out one by one and look at them and examine them and, and don't be afraid of them as we go through. So there's two types of stress. There's distress, obviously, distress. It's like, oh, it's that sort of perceived as negative, overwhelm, overpowered. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. It's so big. It's so huge. Our language reflects the distress within it. And this diminishes our performance because we have less clarity of thought. We can't think clearly. There's that whole sort of statement that you can't see the wood for the trees. And we actually, there's this uh, this wonderful research study that looks at the stressier we are, actually, and this may come as a little bit of a blunt shock, the dumber we are. <laughs> and so the more we go, I'm stressed, it's too big, it's too hard, it's just huge. The more we do that, the dumber, as in the less clear we can be, the less clarity we have, the less ability for us to look up, look out and see opportunities. And so that's one side of stress, distress. The other side is eustress, which is positive stress. Now, every single one of you who are listening today, you wouldn't be where you are today without eustress. You wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. You wouldn't eat. You wouldn't shower. You wouldn't write any sentence without eustress. So eustress is that positive stress. It's that whole thing that we go, this may be unknown, this may be unfamiliar, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I recognize that it's going to be beneficial. And within that, eustress is about performance enhancing because it heightens every aspect of us. It heightens our clarity of brain thought. It heightens our attention. It heightens our cognition. It heightens our body. It heightens our approach. And that's how we can get into that wonderful thing called called flow or that zone, get in the zone. It's like um, many, many studies have, have shown about getting into flow. And that's when, when the stretch and the demand and our focus is all in one and time just seems to disappear within that. And this is about the you stress. When we recognize that we can't get out of bed unless we have this positive stress, and so every single one of you have it, by the way, <laughs> when we recognize that it's like, hey, not all stress is what we call negative or bad. We put these labels on it. Stress can be good. Stress is essential. Stress helps me perform. Stress helps me get out of my bed in the morning and go and write, rewrite and rewrite and rewrite that paper that I'm submitting. So it's really cool to think about these two different types of it. What is our language around each side of it? And how do we perceive it? Because our perception and our psychology around what we're interpreting and putting that label on as stress is hugely important as you're doing a PhD. Yeah, so I, I think that, well, I'm sure that everyone can relate to this. So this sense of um, into the unknown, as Elsa once said, this sense of like, mm. wow, right, I'm taking a step. And um, you can feel it, like you said, you can feel that in your body, you can feel that mm. Physiological, even as I say it now, it's this sense of like, here I go, here I go. Yes. But I guess what you're saying is that 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 can be exciting. 
and that that can be yes. thrilling as well as yes, absolutely. anxiety provoking. I love that word. Yeah, <laughs> I love that word. Thrilling. Um, thrilling. Love that word. Because one of the cool things about our physiology is when we recognize it, fear and excitement, we feel exactly the same way in our bodies. So we get the sort of palpitations, we get sweaty hands, we get a little bit of tightness around the neck, around the back, we get butterflies in our stomach. And we can we can tell our body that that's either fear, oh, I'm scared, or I'm feeling anxious, or I'm upset, or I'm a bit at that sort of time of, oh, I don't know what to do. Or we can reframe that in that moment and tell our body that it's excitement. And so with that, with that five or ten percent, or even the whole one eighty percent shift from it's scary, it's unknown, it's unfamiliar. Oh my gosh, I can't do this. To oh, this is unknown. Maybe it's exciting. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's go and find out. Again, coming back to that whole factor, like you mentioned at the beginning, Emma, of curiosity. Yes, and I, th- I think that I think let's let's unpick this a little bit because I think there's there's there is anxiety in there, isn't there? And I think there's going to be some moments where people will want to take support, will want to kind of check out what's going on because, of course, this is going to link in potentially to other things that have gone on for you, um, and and what does that mean? Um, as well as this sense of um, what you're encouraging, this sense of of seeing and being excited about crossing a threshold into the unknown mm. the sense of of, of yes. stepping in and I just wonder about kind of discerning between that between that kind of yeah right do you know what I'm feeling this but actually just just keep going to I'm feeling this and actually perhaps there's something else that needs supporting or attending to around this mm, absolutely absolutely because we cannot have fear without courage and we cannot have courage without fear so when we recognize that we've got fear, there's also courage within there as well. There just is. <laughs> That's the way we're made. We're humans. That's the way we are. It comes goes back to caveman days, goes back to our amygdala, getting ready for us to go, oh, my gosh, big saber-toothed tiger. What am I going to do? Am I going to fight it? Am I going to run? Am I going to stay here? What am I going to do? And so within that, we've still got that response within us. And what people that we work with, we often see is that people go, oh, that's really scary. I've never done it before. I can't do it full stop and back away. And there's this wonderful, wonderful um, story. Um, I'll just give you the shortened version. Um, <laughs> where, where there's um, a monk in a um, monastery and, he, and there's this, he comes out for his walk and the dog, there's a dog coming along and the dog starts coming up to him and threatening him and barking and baring its teeth and it looks like it's ready to pounce. And the monk is very, very skilled at, at who he was being. And he looks at the dog and he starts walking towards it. Very gradually starts walking towards it. He felt fear. He felt anxiety. He felt, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen. This dog looks really rabid. It's like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And he starts walking towards it. And what happens is the fear goes away. Because what we often do is we think that the fear is bigger than us. The fear is is going to stop us. But it's the psychology and our thinking around that that we interpret that. And that's the thing that we often recognize and, and we often let it stop us. Instead of going, okay, I'm going to keep walking, like you just said, Emma, I'm just going to keep walking and just keep going. I don't know what's going to happen. 99% of my life, I don't know what's going to happen. 
And that's the exciting bit about it. It's like, oh, let's go find out. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen. And I just keep on going and keep working it out as I go. Yeah, so this sense of this sense of um, checking out, I think what I'm hearing you say is checking out that emotion, that emotion that might feel like put the brakes on or run away, all of that, mm. that actually it might be just worth having that curiosity about that. And there will be moments where this is triggering something else and you do need to attend to that and you don't just go, oh, well, I'll just keep going because actually sometimes mm. it is right to step back. Sometimes it is right yes. to walk away. So I, 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 I don't think that's what you're saying. It's just like, just feel the fear and do it anyway. Just, you know, because I think there's, <laughs> there's something there's something kind of a bit dangerous about that. So we, we want to kind of be smart, but actually checking it out, isn't it? Checking it out mm. because the messages that mm. we're getting um, like you say, it's it's an amygdala thing, right? <laughs> Your brain is getting mm. flooded and you want to just kind of un- unpick that a little bit. And knowing that, as you say, knowing that you 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 can walk towards things, things you can sh- that things can shift, that's a possibility. And just knowing mm. that for yourself, I think is incredibly mm. powerful. Um, mm. and as you say, the PhD Absolutely. is a whole journey of into the unknown that that is what it is if it was if you were to give it a title you'd do that wouldn't you and and kind of (laughs) um and that's why that's why you um get to change your name at the end because you've been through this life-changing journey Mm. um absolutely yeah so i i i love that i love that as a kind of invitation um and i wonder if there's there's Anything else you wanted to say about about that and and where where that can take you? Yeah, I think the the whole thing. <clears throat> I mean, the last decade of my life um, since I since I um, became Doctor Pritchard, um, <laughs> it's yeah. just been incredible because this is a philosophy that I've been teaching myself to do. Now I'm I'm not usually this person. I was a person driven by fear. I was a person driven by I can't do this. I was a person driven by I'm not enough. I this is just not me. I just don't have the skills. And so I've trained myself and I've practiced and I've learned and I've recognized and I've grown and I've developed and expanded this whole thing about okay, let's stop and take that check and go, do I really need to stop? Well, actually, no, it's not a big cliff. It's just a little, you know, two-meter drop. Maybe I can jump it. Maybe I can climb down the edge of it. Maybe I can grab a grab a rope and go down. Maybe I can get somebody to help me. Maybe I can find a ladder. And so I'll go and find a way to make it happen with intention. And sometimes exactly like you're saying, Emma, sometimes it's like, oh, okay, this is not a good thing to keep pursuing. I am actually going to stop and turn around and go that way. But we do it with intention because we've had that check-in and we, we're not just letting our bodies and our past sort of patterns in our lives drive us unconsciously, we're going, hang on a minute, do I really want to do this or not? Do I really want to go here or not? I was like, what's stopping me? Let's just go. Let's see what happens. And that's the beauty of it. I think that is the the absolute thing. It's like if people say, oh, I can't do that. It was like, I never used to do this. And now I do it. <laughs> so any of us can grow and expand in this way and recognize how we can see some of the things in our lives as eustress. And we can see more and more and more as eustress and use that to enhance our performance 
and to heighten our abilities going forward without the massive drain of distress. I love that. I love that because I think so many of us are driven by fear. So many of us are driven by fear and our decisions are driven by fear. Um, Mm. And that this, as you say, this, the PhD experience is an opportunity to be different and to Mm. do things different. It's it's life changing. As I say, it is a life changing experience and you get a thesis as a bonus. This sense of being able to kind of be in this process and kind of go, okay, all right, what are my responses here and what can I do? And I think you've really clearly have, have outlined that for us in terms of just recognizing that there are different types the the cues the cues are there and they they can be different mm. types of cues and just taking a moment and seeing seeing that for yourself love that mm. so much love it so much um so I'm aware of time um and I just um want to do as I always do it's very unfair I know but to <laughs> ask you for a top tip or some top tips around this Sure. I think I was thinking about this because I got your email that said you finished with this and it's like, ah, oh, what's the top tip? <laughs> I was like, there's so many top tips. Um, one of them is I think treat it like a job. Yes. I, I really, I really just think that's that's part of part of the um recipe of doing it well. Because I know people that just work 24-7 and just incredibly burnt out and hate it every minute of it and all the rest of it. And it's just like, well, let's just do it like this and let's let's set it up like this. So give yourself at least 24 hours a week, 24 hours in a row to give some time off. Mm. So set yourself up to give yourself permission to have those down times. You don't have to be reading and writing and doing every moment of the day. We're not built like that. This engine doesn't work like that. And if we keep pushing the, the pedal to the floor, we will burn out the engine. And let's not do that because we don't have to do that. Hmm. And so it's that whole thing I, you, sent, you said in the beginning as well, rhythms and phases, Emma, I love that because it is like a rhythm. It's like, yeah, you've got a deadline coming up. You've got a publication that needs to be done and finished or submitted by next week. You've got a chapter that's due for review by your supervisors by this date or whatever it is, a confirmation presentation or whatever. It's like, yeah, these little hiatuses and recognize those as like ebbs and flows of a wave. There's a hiatus. And then a wave always comes down the other side. It comes to a crest and then eases off. Allow yourselves, give yourselves permission to do that as well in your studies. I think that's probably one of the biggest top tips. I love it. I love that. And, of course, when you are better rested, you can do that discernment work that we were just talking about better. Mm. You can you can mm. Absolutely. have more perspective because yeah. otherwise you are – making knee-jerk, you know, you get knee-jerk responses, make knee-jerk responses, mm. having knee-jerk responses to things. <laughs> and that that's not usually a good look <laughs> um, no, in terms of no. throwing yourself yeah. into things. Um, thank you so much for this and this wisdom here. Um, thank you. I know that that is going to be really useful for people. Um, thank you, Elizabeth. And um, we will have all your um, contact details in the show notes if people want to find out more about the work that you do. Thank mm-hmm. you for your time today. Um, You're very welcome. I think, thank- can I say one last thing? Yeah. One little last little short thing? <laughs> I think just be curious and keep learning about yourself as well. 
So self-awareness is just an absolute key in life. And often we go, but I'm so focused on my studies. I'm so focused on my job. I'm so focused on my career. People forget to do that. So be curious, keep learning about yourself and keep increasing your self-awareness every step of the way. Amazing. Amazing. What a place to finish. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. 